Welcome to the Reclaim Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Whether you're a part of our Reclaim Church family or just tuning in for the first time, we would love to connect with you on Instagram at Reclaim Church or at our website at reclaimed-church.com. We hope this word encourages and inspires you today. Let's dive in. All right. Like I said, last week, guys, we are literally so excited. I've been talking about this being our last breakdown for like two months. I'm like, this is going to be it. This is going to be our last breakdown. We're not going to have to do it again. And this is seriously the last one. This is it. All right. Can you imagine we're going to finish church and we're just going to talk to people and hang out and like tie the trash up and throw it out. Like that is it. All right. We don't have to break down the sound, the stage, the stairs, none of it. All right. We never break down the stairs, but I'm glad. So last week, really excited. Um, What an honor and a privilege. I know we've all grown so much over the last two years. I mean, to even look back and think how far God can take you and how much he can grow you and mature you is absolutely mind-blowing. You know, what, what God can do if you actually give him the opportunity. So this morning, our last message here, um, we're going to read a passage out of Hebrews. And then I'm going to give you our topic, our title, and kind of the topic of discussion. We're really kind of continuing from last week. If you were here last week, you know that our Mother's Day message was on sin, the topic of sin, all right? It was not, um, wasn't condemning. It was very uplifting and exciting, so much so that if you did not listen to it, guys, if you weren't here, um, it'll be up on the podcast probably early this week. Um, Please, please, please listen to it because we talked a lot about um, kind of what we believe our identity is as believers. And if you're part of Reclaim Church, I really want you to listen to it. That way, um, you know, we want to make sure that our identity is coming from Scripture and not from culture. All right. So if you missed it, make sure you go check it out on the podcast. Should be up at the very beginning of the week, maybe Monday or Tuesday. And um, yeah, just just check it out. So we're going to continue a little bit from last week and kind of bridge off a bit. But we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. I'm going to talk as though Paul wrote it because, you know, I don't have any other names that I can point to. So we're going to pretend Paul wrote it. And if you guys disagree, you know, you don't know who wrote it. So here we go. All right. So Hebrews chapter five, verse 11 says, there's much more we'd like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain. And he goes on to say, especially since you are spiritually dull, you know, welcome to church, guys. You're extremely spiritually dull but I'm glad you can make it. And don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Through training, you get to distinguish between right and wrong. It's part of growing up, of maturing from infants to adults. So our title for today is Growing Up. 
all right? Growing up. Now, I really want a lot of things to grow up in my life because I am so tired of feeding bottles. I have fed about four bottles this morning and I'm exhausted, all right? My, my overweight son is still eating plenty of them. And now we have not one, but two calves that need constant attention and many, many bottles. And their bottles are like this big and very expensive, all right? So they're really starting to wear me out and I cannot wait for them to grow up. Because the interesting thing about infants, you guys probably know this, whether it's a calf or a child, if you do not feed them, they don't live. They're completely dependent on you feeding them the milk. And it's through that milk that they end up maturing. So I really want us to wrap our heads around the idea, I forget who said it, but wisdom is not a product of age, but a lifelong pursuit of it, all right? Wisdom is not a product of age, but of lifelong pursuit of it. You see, it's very easy to come into church and to quote unquote, be a Christian for one year, two years, five, a decade, and yet there's no true growth that's actually happening. If we're not careful, we can come to church to get fed, and then we can go home and live as babies because we're not being fed. Because again, remember only 8%, this is crazy, only 8% of people read the Bible for themselves. So that means your understanding of who God is doesn't come from God himself, but comes from the people around you. And that's why I wanna make sure, I wanna keep drilling it in your minds that it is so important that you don't listen to me, but you listen to this book. All right, because I can tell you who I believe God to be based off of what I've read, but you need to make sure that you are seeing God for who he truly is, not just based off of someone else's interpretation of him. All right, we come into a church as believers to eat meat, not just milk, all right? So I wanna make sure that you guys are constantly eating. Paul put it this way, definitely Paul this time, guys. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. All right, all scripture is inspired by God. That's why scripture can be the authoritative power that determines the way that we live our lives. Because we can have an idea of what's right and wrong, but scripture always trumps it because it is the authoritative power that came from the person that created you and me. If Clay and I have a different view about what true is, it doesn't really matter what I say or what Clay says, it matters what the book says. And that's why our constant goal should be to go back to scripture, to digest it, to tear it apart, because we need to know what it is that the Lord is really saying and what he's really doing. So all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to what? To teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. All right, you see, if you're not digesting this word, if you're not reading the scripture, that means you're gonna have things wrong in your lives and you're gonna go months, years, and decades and you're not gonna know what the problem is. You see, people that don't read the Bible don't know what it is that they're messing up on because they don't know what right and wrong truly is. So they go their lives, again, remember, don't mock the justice of God. You will always reap what it is that you planted. 
Okay, so you can spend your life planting seeds of wickedness and destruction and have no idea why your life is never full of joy. I'm just never happy. Things never go right for me. And it's really sad, but people that live lives like this constantly reap a harvest of wickedness. That's why we talked about last week, sin is not normal, it's just common. We are called to a higher level because we have been transformed as new creations, all right? And through God's word, he teaches us how to live a good life, all right? How to live a good life. It says it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The sad truth is this is why Christianity has such a bad rep and such a bad name is because people are known for acting like people and not acting like the scriptures. If people could actually become acquainted with this word, Christianity would have a fairly good rep, all right? It wouldn't be so bad. They wouldn't see people as, um, you know, judgmental and condemning, but they would see them as loving and pretty passionate. Because you see, that's what the word pushes us to do. But the problem is more often than not, again, we don't have discipline. We go home and we have busy days and busy lives. And if we look back over the last week, over the last few weeks, how often have we actually opened up the book? Are you in the 8% or are you in the vast majority of people that just treat church as a social gathering and never actually are changed by what the word says. Because you can spend your life not knowing what is right or what is wrong because you're not actually reading. People claim to know God or talk about how God would respond or react in certain situations, but if it's contrary to his word, they are completely mistaken. All right, so again, let's wrap our head around this. It's really common for people to get into debates about how God would, what would Jesus do if he was here? How would he handle this situation? How would he talk to that person? And many of us have these opinions of who God is. And if we're not careful, the opinions of who God is are not formed by what God said, but by what we have determined to be right or wrong. All right, are you following me? So if you do not form your opinions of God based off of what God says, then it's just gonna come by what you believe to be right or wrong. And we have seen this a lot as the world is starting to make their own definitions of right and wrong. According to Paul, there's one authoritative power that all of scripture has been breathed by God himself who created the heavens and the earth and you and I, and that is the authoritative power of right and wrong, not my opinion and not your opinion. So the question is, do you actually know what is right or wrong? Paul put it this way in, again, his letter to Timothy. This is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. 
For a time is coming when people no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. All right, so what happens? What happens is we go through life and we encounter a situation, a debate, that we believe God should handle one way. And we look at scripture and scripture seems to be contrary with what it is that we want. So what do we do? We reject scripture and we go, God would do something different if he was here. And that's what's leading this massive um, progressive movement is what's happening is we're going, I know God better than God knows himself. Because God wrote the scriptures, God has declared that it is the authoritative power, but we go, I know God better than God knows himself. And that's why, you know, Brandon Robertson's really kind of leading this progressive movement. I love him, obviously, as as a person, listened to a few hours of his teaching. And I really do believe, if you guys know who he is, he has a desire to please God. I really do. But you see, the the thing is, what he believes to be right and wrong is contrary to scripture. If you've read some of his stuff or listened, he's like TikTok famous. Um, He claims that Jesus has sinned, that he's fallen short before, that he's had to repent and change. And, um, you know, he teaches all of these different doctrines, and that's really kind of what's leading this progressive movement. But what's happened is there's been situations and areas in his life where he's gone, This is what I want, but scripture is contrary, so I have to change what it is that God said. And if you're not careful, if you're not reading the Bible for yourself, you are going to go and follow teachers that are going to tell you what you want to hear. And I never want you to fall into that position. I know we're going to have... um, You know, I would never call out a pastor by name, but it's a little bit different when people have different interpretations of scripture versus when someone says scripture is not real. It's not authoritative. Okay, so those are two totally different debates. All right. And I never want you to follow someone based off of what you believe to be right or wrong. I want you to follow people off of what you know to be true. I want us to be people that are passionate about truth because that's who the Father is. He is truth. And by claiming that there are multiple truths, you are denying the Father himself. There is one truth, and it is revealed through this book. And that's why it's so important that we are disciplined people, choosing what we want most over what we want now. I want to sleep an extra 10 minutes in the morning, but what I want most is to be a person that doesn't live off of milk the rest of my life. So I'm going to be disciplined enough to wake up 10 minutes early and read a chapter of James, to read the Gospel of John, because I want to know who God is. In the moment, I want to sleep. In the moment, I want to binge watch the super fan episodes of The Office. I want to do these things over and over and over, but what I want most is to be a father that raises his children up in the way that they should go. The problem is many of us have a desire to raise our children up in the way that they should go and have no idea where that direction is. And why is that? Because we are forming our own desires of what we believe to be right and of what we believe to be wrong. So what does scripture do? As Paul said, it corrects us. When we read the scriptures, we might have an idea of what we believe to be right or wrong. And then we read some of the words that Jesus said and we go, 
oh, I must have gotten it wrong. I don't go, well, maybe I should change the scriptures. I go, well, maybe I should change my heart because that's what part of the reason that God gave us his word is so that it can correct us. Proverbs 12.1 says, to learn, to learn you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. It is stupid to hate correction. So one of the requirements of growth, how many of you guys want to grow up, right? I don't want to be a child my whole life because as I grow, you might have responsibilities, but you also receive freedoms. I'm really glad I'm not still four years old, all right? There's a lot of great things that come with growth and you are meant to grow. So one of the requirements of growth is discipline. All right, I want you to write that down. One of the requirements of growth is discipline. Can you imagine what my child would be like if Allie and I made the decision, we're going to care for this child for the next 18 years, but not at one point where will we discipline him? I want to make sure we never tell him no. We just let him do whatever he wants all the time. Do you know that no one would want to be around that child in a few years? Can you imagine a sports player that walks up on the field and, and the coach goes, hey, Jimmy, I just want you to know you're amazing and you do anything you want. I'm not going to correct you. I'm not going to tell you what you're doing wrong. I just want you to keep doing what you're doing. How many of you guys know the only place where Jimmy's going to play ball is in the backyard of his parents' house? He's not going to play ball anywhere else. Why? Because he rejected discipline. If you truly want to grow and progress in life and re receive any type of achievement, you have to love discipline. You have to love it. Any sports player will tell you that discipline is important. Can you imagine being in the bullpen and, and you're throwing pitch after pitch and your coach is staying there going, I do know that, that if, if, he, if he pushed off his leg a little bit harder, he, he could get a few miles per hour extra, but I don't want to offend him. I don't really want to tell him and bring that to his attention because I, I want him to know I think he's good. So I'm just going to leave him the way that he is. Can you imagine the type of life that we are restricting people from living because we hold back discipline? The life that we're keeping from children, from our spouse, from our friends and our family. We are keeping them from growing because we are keeping them from discipline because we believe, we don't say it out loud, but we believe I'd rather you continue to struggle than me have a difficult conversation. I'd rather you continue to do something wrong and that's contrary to scripture than me have a difficult conversation. Hebrews 12, 18 or 12, 8 says, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and not really his children at all. All right, and we'll see you guys next week. That's pretty much it. You have to love discipline. All right, if you are in a position and you don't feel the Holy Spirit convicting you, if you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing and you aren't feeling conviction, I would ask you to truly take a step back and evaluate your heart because part of the process of being a child is not just for your father to always support you, to always love you. Part of being a child is to receive correction. That is part of Christianity, all right? 
we were designed to receive correction. We were designed to receive correction. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, red letters, he said, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Now, most of the time, we definitely don't like receiving correction. We hate it, but that is part of growth. And by you refusing to receive correction, what you're doing is you're acting like the child or the sports player and going, I never want to get any better. I am going to settle for playing in the backyard of my parents' home by myself because I am so prideful and easily offended that this is where I'm going to stay. That's what it is. Now, how many of you guys um, deal with some pride from time to time? Okay, so this is for all of you that didn't raise your hand. I'm really worried about you guys. Obviously, pride is rampant, all right? So we're just going to pray for a second. This is a joke, obviously. I'm kind of serious, but I'm mostly joking. All right, let's just ask the Father, God, will you convict my heart? Will you convict my heart? God, if there's anything that I'm doing wrong, if, if I've been prideful or arrogant in my heart, will you please let me know? You are such a good God, and I want to know you, and I want to honor you. All right, so let's just ask God to um, convict us of any pride or anything that's come from our parents or culture or friends, anything that would make us easily offendable, right? Blessed are those that are not offended. I do not want to be offended in you, Father. I do not want to be offended in you. Your name, amen, all right? If you ignore correction, you will end up going astray. So Proverbs ten seventeen says, people who accept discipline are on the pathway of life but those who ignore correction will go astray. Those who ignore correction will go astray. So the question is, how good are you at receiving correction? <laughs> Everyone's like, no, I don't want to receive correction. Just tell me how great I am. You know, again, but you've got to put yourself in the position of the baseball player or the basketball player. You have to realize just like it's a necessity to receive correction in a sports team, it is a necessity to receive correction as a Christian because we are called for growth. You and I are created to grow, all right? If you ignore correction, you will end up going astray. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Again, how do you know if you're a fool? Are you guys ready? This is what a fool does. A fool goes, everyone else around me is saying one thing, but I'm going to say a different thing. My pastor has told me something, my wise counsel, my parents, my friends, people that love and honor God, not the world, have advised me in a certain direction, but I am so foolish, I'm going to follow my own way. I have been a fool before. Has anyone else been a fool? 
there is victory in many counselors. So when we come into an area in our life where it gets fuzzy, where we get confused, what we do is we go and find the people that are chasing after God. We go, hey, Clay, can you make sure every time I speak that you really watch me? Because sometimes I can say some ridiculous stuff, all right? And I need to make sure that you're there. I need to make sure that you're correcting me when I go astray. Because I might take one or two steps off the path, but I never want to continue going astray. And some of us have spent the last 10 years of our lives off of the pathway of life, not because we don't love God, not because we don't have good desires to please him, but because we don't listen to correction. Part of Christianity is discipline. You and I are created to be disciplined. A wise man sees his need for correction while a prideful person will not be corrected. The problem is even if we know we need to be corrected, that doesn't make it easy to receive it. Everyone knows that, right? Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. All right, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful but afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. All right, again, we're back to sowing and reaping. When you do good, you harvest good things. When you live a life of wickedness, and I didn't pull up the verses, but there's so many verses about the wickedness that you will harvest from sin, from living a life of decay. And it's so sad and it's so heartbreaking, but do not mock the justice of God. You will always reap what it is that you planted. All right, and a lot of us, you know, we can make a change and we go, okay, well, I'm going to do something different and things don't change. So we go, I'm just gonna go back to what I did. You're always reaping a harvest from what you planted last season. So sometimes it takes some time to learn how to plant good seeds before you start to reap good ones. It's just part of the process, all right, part of the process. So here's the question for today. How good are you at receiving correction? All right, I really want you to evaluate yourself, be honest. How good am I at receiving correction? Anytime someone brings up an issue, do they get a, well, that's not really my fault. Did you hear what they said to me? I don't know if that's really what I did. Do you have all of the, all of the facts? Or whatever reason you have to push off responsibility from yourself, that is what we call pride. All right, and if you guys have pride, again, just welcome to the club, but the goal is not to live in it, but to move not from sin to sin, but from glory to glory. So we are all struggling with some aspect of pride, but the goal is to move forward. And the way to battle pride is with humility. So I'm gonna ask you guys, do you, have you created a place to where you can be corrected? Have you created a safe place for you to grow? Because we were created to grow up. All right, so I just want you to evaluate your life. Again, we've read countless scriptures already. We got like another 15 to go. I'm really gonna drill this principle into your heads that we were created to be disciplined. All right, have you created a place for you to be corrected? Okay, because unwarranted advice is always criticism. So have you created a place for you to be corrected? What does that look like? That looks like me going up to Douglas and going, Douglas, 
Sometimes there's things on my face that I can't see. When you notice it, will you please fix it? Will you please tell me and bring it to my attention so that I can fix my mic? Because there's times that I'm not looking in a mirror, that I have all the right intentions to be heard from my mic, but there's times that I can't tell that it slipped to the back of my neck. And the goal of having good and honorable friends, God-fearing people, is that they bring things to your attention that you can't see yourself. All right, unwarranted advice is always criticism, but we invite people into our circle. Why? Because we want to grow up. If you haven't invited people into your circle, chances are you're not going to grow up because time after time, God reveals that he uses people to correct you. You know, we have this saying sometimes where people go, well, if it's wrong, God will just tell me. If it's wrong, God will just tell me. And you know, it comes to that age old um, story where there's a man and, and the waters start to rise. There's a flood happening and, and a truck drives by and, and he goes, hey, I'm here to save you. And he's like, oh, no, 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 you don't need to save me. God's, God's on his way. And eventually a boat comes by and the waters are even higher. And, and he goes, hey, I'm, I'm here to save you. And he goes, no, don't worry about me. God, God's got me. And eventually he ends up on the top of his roof and a helicopter passes by and says, I'm here to save you. Grab onto the rope. And the man goes, no, no, God's going to save me. As the story goes, and you guys probably know it, he ends up drowning, and the story says that he's face-to-face with God, and he goes, why didn't you recognize me? Why didn't you save me? And And God goes, well, I sent three people after you. What else do you want me to do? And we have this desire, I just want to honor God. Will you convict my heart? And then you're in the, on the way home and, and your wife goes, hey, you sounded a little arrogant when you were talking to so-and-so. And you're like, are you kidding me? I, I would never do that. That was not my intentions at all. And if they took it like that, then they're just completely in the wrong. And we do the same exact thing that the man did on the roof. You see, God is wanting to correct you because he loves you and he uses the people around you to do it. He uses your wife and your husband and your close friends. But the important thing is you have to invite people into your circle. I can't tell you guys. I mean, you might think I have a big mouth now and say things that I probably shouldn't, but you should have seen me a few years ago, all right? It was way worse. All right, it wasn't that God came in, took my heart, changed it all around and stuck it back in there and goes, okay, you're gonna be better now. You're gonna, you're gonna watch your mouth now. What happened is he used people like Allie, people like John and Douglas to come to me and go, hey, that was, that was a little bit rude. That was a little bit rude what you said. I know I've told this story a bunch of times, but just in case you missed it, when we first started this, it used to be an every week thing. Now it's pretty rare, but every week we'd pretty much get in the car and Allie would kind of tell me the you know, ridiculous things that I had said. And over and over, I would respond out of pride and arrogance. And I would go, there's nothing wrong with what I said. I think you're just easily offended. All right, I think they're just easily offended. And remember, the point of deception is you don't know you're deceived. If you knew that you were deceived, if you knew you had something on your face, you would wipe it off. So the only way to step out of deception, the only way to realize that there's something on your face is to trust someone else more than you trust yourself. And at the moment that I chose, you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong with what I said. 
but I am going to choose to trust Allie more than I trust myself. I kid you not. The reason why I keep telling this story is because it was such a real moment for me. At that moment, it was like this veil was just removed. All of my pride and arrogance had to move out of the way, and I saw the situation for what it really was. And I was like, oh, I can't believe I said that. That sounds so ridiculous. What is wrong with me? Like, what am I doing? And at that moment, get this, I, I moved from, not constantly, but in that moment, I moved from a fool to a person that embraced wisdom. Why? Because I learned to love discipline. Because when you see how important discipline is, you will love it. You'll go, I Please, if you ever see me say something, if you ever see me trip, if you ever see me mess up, please tell me because I don't want to live a life like that. I don't want to hurt the people that I love. I want to be a reflection of Christ and not just my messed up views. And the way that we do that is to have people around us that correct us, that guide us. And this is the, you know, the kind of messed up thing is if you are living a life with no one in your circle, chances are you're probably stepping off the path. Chances are you're probably dealing with a lot of baggage. You probably have a whole lot of junk on your face and you think everything's good because I have the best of intentions. But when everyone's around you, all they see is the junk on your face. And I don't want you to live a life with stuff all over your face. I want you to live a life that honors God. I want you to move from an infant to an adult. I want you to learn how to grow up. So, all right, so this is the challenge. If you don't already have people, I want you to find people that love and honor God. All right, don't go to your friend that says things that he shouldn't all the time and go, hey, can you let me know when I say something I shouldn't? You know, that's not the person that you talk to. You go to the person that does it well, that loves well, that honors well, that practices humility, and and you go, will you please let me know when I say something I shouldn't? When I make a joke that's too far, when I'm getting all stressed and I don't realize how far I've gone, will will you just make me aware? All right, so that's your challenge for this week because I don't know about you, but I'm guessing that you want to be a wise man. You want to be a wise woman. So part of growth is to love discipline. So I want you to find somebody, whether it's your spouse, that should be a given, obviously, but I want you to find a friend, a coworker, someone that sees you often, and I want you to have a conversation with them. Will you tell me if I say something I shouldn't, if I go too far, if I have something on my face? All right. We will never be confronted about our issues or problems if we don't open up a door for wise counsel in our lives. Proverbs 19.20 says, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. This is your chance to be wise the rest of your life. You don't just get to ask God and he comes down and he opens your head like a lid and sprinkles some wisdom in there. All right? Wisdom doesn't just come with age, it comes with the pursuit of it, all right? You have to pursue wisdom in order to receive it, all right? We are meant to grow from glory to glory. Ephesians 5.21 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that means when the person corrects you, are you ready? It's super hard. I'm going to tell you right now, it's so hard. You bite your tongue with everything you can and you don't play the victim. 
When they tell you that you said something you shouldn't, you bite your tongue with everything you have and you go, I'm not gonna defend myself. I'm not gonna defend myself. And you look at them and you go, thank you for talking to me. Why? Because I value wisdom more than I value being right. There are so many people in this world that only value being right and they spend their lives acting like a fool. I don't know about you, but I want to not just be right, I want to be wise. So that means that I have to receive correction, which means I have to invite people into my circle. All right, so how should, um, how should we correct others, right? Because again, there's, this is twofold. We have to receive correction, but get this, we have to give correction. But unwarranted advice is always criticism, so we're advising people that have asked us into their life. So how do we do it? Galatians 6 tells us how. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin... You who are godly should not say anything and just continue to love and support them. (laughs) Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's what culture told me. All right, let's try that again. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. So often we read that passage and go, you know what? I would rather not get into an uncomfortable conversation and I'd rather leave Douglas with something on his face. We are meant to be known for love and yet we choose, instead of having a difficult conversation, I'm gonna let my friend who I claim to support and love spend his life with something on his face. That is so messed up. That is so messed up. It's so hurtful. And what you're doing is that is truly pride, arrogance. You're choosing yourself over someone else and going, you know what? I don't want to have a conversation with them. I'd rather leave them with this junk on their face the rest of their lives. All right. Again, scripture tells us you who are godly. So if you are a godly person, this is how you're going to handle yourself. You should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burden and this way obey the law of Christ. This is Christ's law. Okay, so again, gently. So what does that mean? Is there a better way I can say this? Is there a better way I can say this humbly? How can I make sure this doesn't bring any shame? All right, so when something comes up and we go, ah. Douglas, I'm using you like an example the whole time. I know you're good. All right, Douglas has got something on his face. I got to bring this up to him. It doesn't mean I walk up in a group of people because that's screwed up, all right? We wait until we're alone and we go, hey, Douglas, I love you. I respect you. And we go, how can I do this gently and humbly? And we make sure to say it in a way that's going to make sure that he doesn't feel cornered. We give him a a way to feel uplifted and not shamed, all right? Because we're not here to shame anybody or condemn anybody. We are here to help people grow. We do it gently and humbly. And we go, Douglas, hey, man, whenever you you said said that thing, it sounded really arrogant. And we go, I know that's not your intentions. I know that's not your heart. I know what an amazing guy you are, but I just wanted to bring it to your attention. And what does Douglas do? He has to bite his tongue because he wants to tell me how it wasn't arrogant. 
He wants to tell me how everyone else received it wrong and that wasn't his intentions. But since Douglas is an honorable and noble man, he's gonna go, thank you for telling me. That's the way that this mutual correction works. This is the way that we grow, that we move from glory to glory. Because get this, correction is not meant for confrontation, but for restoration. All right? Correction is not to create confrontation. It's to bring restoration. The goal is to restore Douglas to the man that God has called him to be. And in certain moments, every single one of us falls short. And if we don't correct the other person that we claim to love, then we're going to condemn them to live a life with some junk on their face. It's really messed up and it's screwed up. All right, it's much easier to allow someone to continue to do something that they shouldn't do than for you to have a conversation with them. All right, because we practice truth in love. We don't practice love without truth and we don't practice truth without love. We practice truth in love. And that means pulling people aside. And that means restoring them, uplifting them, never causing shame. Luke 17, three says, so watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. This is Jesus again. I want you to make sure that your opinion of correction isn't coming from culture or what you deem to be right or wrong, but I want you to understand correction by what scripture teaches. Correction is a normal part of Christianity. It's supposed to happen within a culture of gentleness and humbleness, okay? This is the culture that it happens in, so we don't condemn people, we don't judge people in that manner of speaking, but we restore them to live a life better than what they could live on their own. All right, everyone following me? Proverbs 27.5 says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. I never want Allie to just look at me and for us to leave a, a gathering or the way that I talk to her and her go, you were, you're just the best husband. And in the back of her mind be thinking all these things that I said or things that I did because that's not real love. Real love is being open and honest with people. I want open and honest love. Not from all of you, but from the people that I invited into my circle. And I hope that your circle is a good-sized circle. All right? Yeah, John's like, good good word, Corey, good word. (laughs) All right, I hope your circle is a good-sized circle because if you only have one person in your circle and you and you guys agree on everything, have the same thought processes, guess what? You guys just got the same color junk on your face. All right, the goal is to invite people into your circle that are different, that love and honor God, that live lives of gentleness and live a life of humility. All right, Um, this is obviously a given, but I got to throw it in. Not every attitude needs to be corrected, all right, because we are meant to have allowances for each other's faults. Don't have the passage, but maybe someone knows that. You can Google it. We are meant to have allowances for each other's faults. So that means we have to use godly wisdom to know when things need to be corrected and when things need to be left alone. All right. So again, Douglas is, is my guy today. So if Douglas got a phone call and God forbid, you know, his parent had just passed away and he hangs up the phone and he's like, bleep and bleep, man. (laughs) You know, Douglas would never do that. That doesn't mean I go, hey, Douglas, you shouldn't be cursing, man. 
This is not the time to curse. Like he had just lost his parent. So in that moment, I use wisdom and discernment and I go, maybe this isn't the time to correct him on something. All right, there's going to be areas and times in your spouse's life whenever people are walking through difficult seasons where it's just not really the time to bring correction. So we use wisdom and we go, okay, God, will, will, you, will you put it on my heart if I'm meant to go talk to them, if I'm meant to convict them about this and we can you know, restore from that situation. But not every single area needs to be corrected. And before we ever bring correction, I want you to get this, we check our own heart. All right, if you like bringing correction, you should just quit. Okay, if you enjoy correcting people, you just need to invite people into your circle and like you're off limits for like a year, okay? You don't get to correct anybody because there's something going on in your heart that's really messed up, okay? Because nine out of 10, when we know that we have to correct somebody, we're sick over it. Why? Because our heart is to love and honor them, and we want to make sure that we never hurt them. So again, we practice gentleness and humility, and we go to them with great love. But if there's something in your heart that finds something, and you're like excited to tell somebody there's something really wrong. All right, and I don't say that to you know condemn you, but I say that to hopefully invite you back onto the right path and say that's not how it's meant to be. It should be difficult to talk to somebody because you love them that much. So before we talk to somebody, when Douglas does something, I go, okay, am, am, is there something in my heart? Am, am I hurt by something that he did? Am I acting out of emotion that I just want to bring this to his attention? Or am I acting based off of scripture? Because again, we can get offended and we can get hurt and we can place blame on other people when it's actually our responsibility to carry, all right? So we gotta make sure that we truly look inside of our heart before we go and bring correction to anybody else. And this is a difficult message to preach because I'm preaching as though you are healthy, all right? And let's just be honest, some of you might not be healthy. So if you take a healthy principle and you apply it to an unhealthy life, it can take a healthy principle and really just create a lot of chaos. So again, gentleness and humility is the way that we correct people, not because we want to correct them, but because we want to restore them. We want to restore them. That is the goal. All right. Last principle, and then we're going to be done, and I want you guys to Write this on your foreheads, okay? This is for Christianity. This is for business owners. This is for coworkers, your family, everyone, okay? We always correct in private and we praise in public. We always correct in private and we praise in public. We never, 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 never bring correction with someone else around. Because what that does is it doesn't bring restoration, it brings shame. We never correct a coworker, we never correct an employee around other employees. We correct them in private. All right, and what you're gonna do is you're going to create a culture of chaos, of hurt, of brokenness, of bitterness, and it is not gonna be a work environment, it is not gonna be a church that anyone wants to be a part of. We only, 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 only correct in private. 
And when we invite them into this private situation, that sounds a little bit awkward, but when we find a good situation and we go and talk to them, we do it with gentleness and with humility, not because we want to talk to them, but because we want them to be restored. We don't want them to live with anything on their face. All right. And we praise in public. Why? Because we want to build people up. All right. And it feels really good to build people up around others because that's when you know that it's authentic. So husbands and wives, this is a good practice, right? Don't just tell your wife that she's amazing alone, but talk about her great characteristics around other people. All right. This is a key principle for business owners, people that are working in organizations, you always praise in public. Why? Because what you praise in public will be continued. All right. If you ignore it, it will be ignored. If you continue to focus on it and praise it, it will be repeated. There's a good quote somewhere, but I can't remember it. All right. You guys feel good about that? Did I read enough scripture? Did, you, did I drive in the point? This is not my opinion. This is scripture's opinion, right? And remember what Paul said. Um, if I can quote it off my head, I probably can't. But something along the lines of, we are not meant, this is what we talked about last week, we are not meant to judge the world, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. It is your responsibility you do not practice love without truth. Love goes, well, I just want to embrace them, allow them to do what they want. That might be your misguided view of love, but love is practiced inside of truth, and we push people towards restoration. All right, our views are not built off of culture, but built off of scripture. All right, so again, I'm going to challenge you this week. These are your challenges. Write them down, put them on your phone, whatever you have to. If you want to be a wise man or a wise woman, you have to invite people into your circle. It's not weird. Just tell them, hey, if you see me doing something I shouldn't, will you please bring it to my attention? If you notice anything on my face, will you please bring it to my attention? All right, that's your biggest takeaway for this week. Your second takeaway is to make sure you practice discipline. Don't be prideful. Don't try to defend yourself but say thank you and move on, all right? And thirdly, last thing, you're gonna read your Bibles, all right? <laughs> you are going to read your Bible. Why? Because you wanna choose what you want most more than what you want now. Pick a book. James is a super easy one, super straightforward, requires no context, no understanding of Greek. It is super easy, all right? Read the book of James, read chapter one, and when you get to tomorrow and you don't remember what you read, read chapter one again, all right? As Albert Leving said, I don't remember what I ate for breakfast on Saturday, but I know it gave me the, the nutrition I needed to make it through my day. Just because you don't remember everything doesn't mean that it's not influencing the way that you live your life. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe for more from your Reclaimed Church family. God bless, and we hope that you have an amazing week.